the entire housing market in China is ripe for a collapse and the People's Bank of China is going to have to either print like crazy or they're just going to have to let it happen. Uh, one or the other. See. Well, we're boned. Well, hello there, my friends. Rafi here from the End Game Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. And there's a lot to talk about this week as well. We're going to start off with doom spending, economic despair, why this is the ultimate sign of impending hyperinflation and how it can be solved when they're young with silver. Silver stacking is more than just securing your family's future. It's about educating your children as to what money really is. We're going to talk about that in a second. Also, we have another regional bank collapsing or not quite collapsing it, but really taking a hit on the face or the liver or wherever banks get hit that hurts the most. New York Community Bank Corp, I think it's called. They're down 30%, but everyone says it's fine. It's not. It's not a systemic issue. It's whatever. It's just, you know, their personal banking problems. Either way. Well, either way. Either way is fine. But. We're going to go into why that's not true. It's a systemic issue. This is right when the regional bank bailout program, the bank term funding program is set to expire. You've also got collapsing real estate firms in China. Evergrande finally collapsed. And there's another one that's in the wings that's almost the same size as Evergrande was at its peak. We're going to go into that in the ghost cities in China and how they never had a real estate collapse in 2008. It's about time they got to that. Gold open interest is bottoming out at 10-year lows, a triangle that has been in place since 2006 in the Shanghai Chinese Stock Index is finally breaking down. And this week's Silver Report is sponsored by Fortuna Silver Mines, symbol FSM. Going into a little bit more detail on the 2023 consolidated operating results, you can really see here that Fortuna is maturing as a gold miner. Uh, 2023 guidance for gold was at the upper end, 320,000 ounces of gold, and they produced 326,638. So they exceeded expectations. They exceeded their own expectations in 2023 guidance. Uh, it says here in 2023, record gold production was mainly driven by Segela, contributing 78,617 ounces. That's pretty exact. In the second half of the year, exceeding the upper range of guidance. Yaramoko also contributed 117,711 ounces, achieving the upper end of production guidance as a result of higher head grades. So we see that Fortuna exceeds its own guidance in areas where it can operate at full capacity. In the meantime, Fortuna is cementing its position as a West African miner and diversifying its geographic locations very well, paying down debt, etc. Let's continue with this week's Silver Report, beginning with doom spending and how silver can solve that problem. There's an article here from Bloomberg. It's pretty sad, but if you read it from the opposite angle, if you read it from a stacker angle, then it's pretty encouraging. The title here is Gen Z is splurging on luxury goods to soothe their economic despair. For younger generations, financial goals like buying a house and saving for retirement can feel out of reach. Now, try not to cringe. This article is about sincerely sorry people. I won't call them stupid, but I'll call them very short-sighted and don't understand money at all. Uh, this is a, a problem for them, but it's not a problem for us because we understand what real money is. Now, it starts out 
by asking the question, what really matters anyway? In a very Epicurean sense, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's what Nia Holland24 thought about spending $2,500 on a vintage Chanel bag, draining her savings, earning little money with campus research jobs, doing graduate school. During graduate school, she knew her money could be better spent, saved, or invested, but at the same time, she said it didn't feel irresponsible with traditional milestones like home ownership and a life with kids you know, how you keep human society going and not going extinct, so far out of reach, denying herself little luxuries wasn't going to make a difference. And if anything, the lambskin tote with the 24-carat chain made her feel better. Typically, when people are on shaky ground economically, they pull back on spending. But increasingly, younger generations are doing the opposite, figuring their financial futures are doomed no matter what higher student debt loads, an increased cost of living, and shifts in the labor market have made it more difficult to achieve financial goals like buying a house or saving for retirement. But the good news is she's pursuing a doctorate in education, isn't that great, and psychology at the University of Michigan. She's going to be the next educational psychologist for your kids. Oh my God! The point I wanted to make here is that silver stacking really solves this problem. What I do with my kids is if they do chores, I pay them in silver. I have a whole bunch of silver dimes, silver junk dimes, junk silver dimes from 1964 and earlier that they do chores and I pay them in silver. And you know, the thing about silver is that it's shiny and you don't really want to spend it or really nor can you directly in this kind of fiat monetary environment. But what you can do is give them a feel for what money really is and give them a feel for what savings really are because you know when you put that silver away and they're like eight, nine, 10 years old, in 10 years when they're ready to move out, it's gonna be worth more despite all the up and down. Paper cash is not as heavy, it's not as pretty, and digital cash, if they look at a number in a bank account, they would wanna spend that because it's not pretty, it's not heavy, it's not shiny. The shininess of the silver gives kids a natural impetus to save. And if you start them young, then they can understand what real money is. The problem is the money. And when society, when the young generation starts to spend more because they are despairing about ever earning a living or ever having children or ever buying a house, that is when hyperinflation starts to kick into real gear. And we're seeing that and we're going to see the end of it pretty soon. But anyway, we have another bank collapse yesterday. New York Community Bank Corp. New York Community Bank Corp stock plunges 38% reigniting fears for regional banks. NYCB built up capital after acquiring most of the failed Signature Bank in last year's crisis. So they rescued Signature Bank and now they might need a rescue. But there's a lot of denial here. Let's go to this next article. It says here that fit for this from the Wall Street Journal, New York Community Bank's Problems look mostly to be its own. There's nothing to see here. Everything's fine. There's another explosion. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> That's not true. And we'll show you why in a second. As the market absorbs the surprise of New York Community Bancorp's jump in credit loss provisions and dividend cut, attention is already turning to whether there is any fallout across regional banking. This is what the guy says. Much of what happened at the bank in its fourth quarter was specific to NYCB, New York Community Bank Corp. The company reported $185 million in net charge-offs in the fourth quarter and attributed the bulk to that of that to two loans, a loan to a co-op property and an office loan. In other words, commercial mortgage-backed securities, commercial mortgage market. Uh, is it really isolated to them? Well, let's take a look at this. 
20 banks with the biggest commercial real estate loan portfolios. You recognize some of these. And look what this is. Number seven, New York Community Bank Corp is the seventh biggest investor uh, in terms of commercial mortgages, commercial real estate. It's uh, 6.14% of as of 2022, I think this is. Uh, so it might be higher now, but one loan going bad can really schmice the bank. And that is what's going to happen to all banks that are heavily invested in commercial mortgages because they're going down. And as a reminder, the regional bank bailout program is about to expire on March 11th. Uh, they're already starting to fail again and hasn't even ended yet. So uh, we'll see what happens in the next few months. I wanted to go here quickly to gold. The gold open interest numbers have fallen dramatically since uh, the last two weeks. Over the last two weeks, we see here January, it looks like January 13th, 14th, somewhere in the middle of January. I don't know exactly the date. Uh, open interest is about 500,000 contracts. Now we're down to 430,328. That's 70,000 contracts collapse in about two weeks. If we look at the price here, the price has not gone down at all. It's gone up actually since that collapse in open interest. So we what we have here is a minor short squeeze that is resetting open interest. So we have a lot of fuel to move up in the gold spot price, at least in the derivative markets. The last two times we had a bottom in open interest like this. Open interest, of course, is the number of contracts that are open in the derivative futures markets uh, for gold. So we had a little bit of an intermediate bottom right ahead of this low in open interest over here. And we had a little, uh, we had a major low in October, 2022, uh, a low that I don't think will ever be uh, uh, broken again, but we'll see. Uh, in October 2022, we had a low in open interest and another major low here. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have a low right here, but it means that the next uptrend is going to have plenty of fuel in it because open interest is pretty low. If we go to an, a broader chart and see how low exactly, this goes back to 2018. Um, and we see here, here's the black line in open interest where we are now, 430,000. And these 430,000 has been the low going back to late 2022. Um and it's only been exceeded or broken below that uh, in 2018 and before that to 2013. So these are very, very low open interest numbers. It means there's minimal amount of interest in the derivative markets and the futures market, which means there's plenty of fuel for the next uptrend when it begins. And that means I think we're going to head up to 24, 2500 in the next uptrend when it begins. We'll see when that is exactly when it happens. Uh, now, China. Uh, we were talking about Evergrande falling today. I have a, a video on my YouTube channel, Rafi Farber, that you can watch uh, on the Chinese situation. It's kind of funny. I put a bunch of memes in it. Uh, so I'm not going to go into that in detail here, but you all know about Evergrande. It's finally been liquidated. Uh, that doesn't really mean much practically because uh, creditors were only expecting about 3% of their uh, debts to be repaid. So that's not much. But anyway, uh, you should know these things about China in brief that China actually has not participated in the uh, rise in interest rates in the Western world at all. In fact, yields on Chinese bonds are at all-time lows. We can see 2.443%, but no matter what maturity you go to, they're at all-time lows interest rates in China. So there's not much room for the Chinese monetary policy to move here since interest rates are already at record lows. They could go to zero and try to puff up their real estate market, but I don't think that's going to work. And what you should also know about the Chinese stock market is, well, look at this. Look at this beautiful triangle that's been in place since 2006. This is 2006. I don't know. I don't have a scale here, but this goes. This is the 2008 top. This is the 2015 top over here. So this 
where it starts is 2006. And finally, we have broken decisively below this triangle for the first time since 2006. There's something going on in China. It looks very deflationary. What you should also know about China is this is its residential property prices. In 2008, there wasn't much of a collapse at all, so they were able to avoid that. But as a result, because the prices didn't collapse, they have all these ghost cities, about 50 or 60 of them, I believe, with like 65 million homes empty. Oh! Hey, I knocked. You guys got a pull. or whatever the number is, it's some crazy number and they haven't been liquidated yet because they haven't had a real estate collapse. But if you look at this, uh, the current residential real estate prices in China have been falling since 2022, every month consecutively since the beginning of 2022 or, the, or these quarters, I'm not sure. I think these are quarters actually. So every quarter uh, since the beginning of 2022, and this has been more extreme than the 2014 deflationary problem that they had, I think because they... Uh, Put the clamps down on Macau, but that's a different issue. I don't think this was business cycle related, but this I think is. And China is going to have a housing collapse and all of its ghost town cities are going to have to be liquidated and sold either for, for pennies on the dollar or destroyed. I hope they don't destroy them because property is property. They just like sell them at market prices. Uh, and those are going to be very, very low. So we're at a deflationary problem in China here. In terms of what's the next to fall after Evergrande, I have two charts here. The top is a company called Country Garden Holdings, which actually have, has built a few of those ghost cities in China. And we can see that its, its uh, chart looks remarkably similar to Evergrande. It's the same kind of company. And if you check their balance sheets, they have similar amounts of liabilities. Uh, this company defaulted, Country Garden Holdings defaulted on its bond, I think, in October of last year or something like that. Uh, and you know, it took a while for Evergrande to finally fall, but this company is going to also, the entire housing market in China is ripe for a collapse and the people's bank of China is going to have to either print like crazy or they're just gonna have to let it happen. Uh, one or the other. See? Well, we're boned. Oh no. We got real estate firms collapsing in China. We got banks starting to collapse in the U.S. Again, it's going to get much worse after the bank term funding program expires and the reverse repos run out, which they are about to in the next few weeks. Gen Z is despairing about its capacity to save and its ability to save, and they are just spending and spending because they have nothing else to live for, or at least some of them. But of course, if you train your kids well, and pay them in silver, they will want to keep it and they will understand that all the work they had done as kids for chores in the house or whatever small things that they have done, now they have a lot of money. This is Rafi of the Endgame Investor. You can find me on Substack. You can subscribe there for free at endgameinvestor.substack.com or you can join me on Patreon for a biblical commentary on the monetary situation. Thanks, Yara. Thanks, Chris. Have a good week, everybody. Stay strong and stay silver and stay sane.